Hey there, and welcome to the Craftish Podcast number 22. I'm Vicki Howell. This week, I'm speaking with duct tape artist Rochella Fabian Morgan. Rochella creates both amazing artwork and utilitarian pieces using material commonly found in hardware stores as her medium. In her latest book, Duct Tape Bags, she offers tutorials on making incredible handbags that one would never suspect were made from tape. We talk about her bag making process, how she approaches portrait making, her views on art versus craft, and how she left the publishing world to pursue her passion. Let's meet her now. Rochelle Fabian Morgan, thank you so much for coming on Craftish. Thank you for having me, Vicki. I wanted to dive right into a topic that is a debate that I'm really interested in, and and some of the stuff that I've read about you makes me think that you'd be a great person to discuss this with, and that's art versus craft. I was reading... Oh, I love this topic. Yay! (laughs) Already I'm winning. Oh, yay. Like a minute in. Um, I read in an interview that you did, I think in 2012, on a blog called... um, clippings in the shed you said something about when you were a kid or a young adult about maybe artsy not being something that you would have called yourself but you were always crafty and I wanted to um, start by asking you because now you you do call yourself or you are um, an artist as well as a crafter and I wanted you to both talk to me about what the descriptives artsy versus craftsy means to you, and also about now as an adult, what art, what defines your art versus your craft? Okay, so when I was in my 20s, and just making things with my hands, usually it was paper crafts, I, I never really wanted to show anybody what I was doing. And um, there was a fear of being judged, um, that it, it wasn't, it wasn't artistic, but it was definitely crafty. So the stuff that I would show people, it was useful. It was um, holiday cards. It was, I made my wedding invitations. It was usually uh, coasters or I tried embroidery. I, I sewed. Um, I tried my hand at crocheting. So those were things that I felt comfortable um, identifying as craft and crafty. And that was my crafty side. But the artsy side, always thought, well, you know, um, maybe there's something to it more. There's more of an expression of who I am, a personal, um, a personal statement. I actually went back to school, um, to get a second degree, to get an art degree, just to figure it all out. Um, I took my last class this past spring. I have to actually apply for graduation, but I took all my classes. Congratulations. Thank you. Um, and it was really great because my kids started, um, really, looking at me and doing my assignments and they're like, Oh, you know, uh, she's, she's a student too. And it was great when they were doing homework and I was doing my assignments that I felt more connected to them. But I also realized that I, I was not really giving myself enough credit, um, as a crafter and as an artist. And so now I do feel comfortable calling myself an artist because I've been through a journey of self-discovery and being comfortable to fail, um, being comfortable to let people see w- what it is I do. Because as a crafter, doing duct tape crafts, you know, people kind of laugh and say, well, you know, uh, duct tape, what's duct tape? And I, I wanted to show that, you know, duct tape is, is pretty versatile. You could, 
in addition to making wallets and and bags, which is my latest book, um, you could do so much more. I was making imagery on the bags. I was making things that uh, where you you could touch it and you could interact with it and you could have an experience with it. And I think um, maybe I'm rambling, but you know that that is an expression of artistry. And um, I do feel now that going through the process of going back to school, which you know maybe isn't for everybody. I shouldn't say that people who are, are kind of doubting themselves um, to call themselves artists should go back to school. Uh, but for me, that was my own personal journey to say to myself and to everybody else, I'm an artist. Um, but, you know, so the, um, the duct tape is my medium now. It's, it's many things. For craft, there is a set instructions that I will give you. I will say, okay, I'm making a specific project. And, you know, you go through steps one through 10. And at the end, you'll have, um, could be anything. You could have a, like a fascinator for your hair. You could have a necklace, a bracelet, a belt, um, a bag with art, um, which I started actually playing around and teaching at a small art center um, near the town where I live. I, I let the kids just sort of play around with the tape cut out shapes and do collage with it and say, okay, well, what are you trying to pull out of the image? You know, is it a feeling that you have? Do you want these shapes to like really uh, kind of go against each other? Are they, are they fighting in the image or do you want them to um, kind of lay together and it's like a tranquil or peaceful image? Um, but there are no set instructions for that. That's just something that's innate. And I think that's the difference, um, when I'm expressing my artistic side and my crafty side. My, with my crafty side, I know that there is a place, um, that there's a finish line, and it's at, you know, step number 10. And, you know, here's the picture, and isn't it lovely, and now on to the next one. With, with the art, it feels like there is no end. And sometimes, you know, I will go back and I'll fix a picture that I've, I've made. Or um, sometimes a bag is an expression of art. I'm, I'm, right now, I'm playing around with... Um, with fabrics and I wouldn't recommend it with for everybody but I started sewing the duct tape together um, and my sewing machine is a little angry at me sometimes I break a needle and I realize yeah I um, want to ask you about that later yeah okay okay um, but so sometimes uh, the craft then becomes art um, and I, and you oh, okay one, one last thing a couple of years ago I was at the Museum of Design in New York City and I watched this fabulous movie called um, Handmade Nation. And it opened up my eyes to the possibility of craft as being an expression of art. And from that, that's when I went, that's the decision right there. I went back to school because of that movie. So um, Faith Levine, if you're out there, huge fan. <laughs> Would love to meet you one day. I actually interviewed Faith for a book of mine a few years back um, called Craft Corps. Um, oh wow! Yeah, right around when that when that book or excuse me when that film came out. So I think that I think that that movie was meaningful for a lot of artists. I've um, that was a very thoughtful answer, and what I'm hearing from you is, is interesting. That for you, and, and I'm glad that you made the disclaimer about this being your journey because that's something that I that I really like to impress upon people who are listening to this in general when we talk about motherhood or we talk about 
careers or we talk about artfulness is that these are just our stories, our journeys, and we're not at any, you know, by any means trying to dictate what's right or wrong. But what I'm hearing from you is that at the core, the difference between art and craft for you both had to do with your level of confidence in them. You were It sounded like you were confident from the beginning in being crafty, and you had to earn and gain that confidence for being artsy. Um, but also that one felt more utilitarian and finite, and one seemed more vast and... Um, and had a path that maybe didn't have an ultimate ending. Right. And that's okay. Um, and I think the artist in me says that's okay. Whereas the crafter would be completely tearing out her hair. Like, there has to be an end. I've got to finish this. You know, um, I have to have something to show. And there's, if, if you take a look around my messy studio, there's a lot of things I kind of left to the side. A lot of... Um, projects that maybe started out as craft and I realized at a certain point that I was never going to finish it because I kept playing around with it in a very artistic way. I have a, I have a picture of a friend of mine that I did and I thought, oh, you know, um, I, I was going to actually put it on a bag. I thought it would be really funny. And uh, it's now how many months later? <laughs> and it's, it's, a, it's just a picture. And it's, um, I did it on canvas paper. And I thought, you know, that would be really cool to sew into a, you know, um, a funky shaped bag. But now it's just, it's, you know, it's just a picture that I don't know if I'll ever finish because I feel like I could do more. Um, so that's one example of a craft turned into a piece of art. Um, you, you, as you said, your, your medium is, is duct tape. I've seen some of the portraits that you've done, which are amazing. Um, and also, you. also you've got, you know, project projects, you know, like, bags and and fascinators and that type of thing do you approach them differently you're using the same the same medium but they have very different looks is it the same it, it seems to me like some of the projects that you do are very mathy in a way because things have to fit and that type of thing but your portraits it's a little more obscure so do you come at them with the same frame of mind no definitely not with with the portraits um Sometimes it starts with uh, the idea or the image. And, you know, I'll actually carry around a sketchbook, um, which is pretty horrible because as I was going through art school, I realized I can't really draw that well, um, <laughs> which is, uh, you know, something that I thought I could I could do, but it, through learning, but, you know, it's I could do really basic shapes and I just spatially, I know where I want things. Um, so the sketchbook will never see the light of day. Yeah. Um, but I usually sketch things out just so I have a sense of the size of the canvas or the paper that I'm going to use. Um, and then, you know, I'll, I'll start sketching out on the canvas where things will lay out. And then it's, um, so it's, it's a, it's a very painterly approach to it. Um, all the portraits and all the landscapes that I do with duct tape and with, with a project, yeah, it is It is very mathematical because you have to figure out how much tape you'll need. Um, so there's yardage. You know, it's just like with um, with crocheting or knitting. You try to figure out how many skeins you'll need to complete a sweater. So with um, with a necklace or a bag, well, necklace is easy because it's, you know, making the beads, it, it, you don't really need much. Um, even like, you know, just some leftover tape, you could even make beads and then later on match them up or mix them up. 
with with a bag, um, and I'll talk about bags because it's it's on my mind lately. With a bag, you, you it's very mathematical. You figure out yardage um, based on the size of the bag. You know, the size of the fabric that you'll need. It's going to be twelve inches wide, so you need you know twelve inches uh, times three. That's a, that's a yard, um, and then there's like twenty yards per per roll of tape. So. There's that. There's that. That planning. There's always a lot of, um, kind of like planning before you actually attempt the project, or before you actually write down the instructions and and figure it out. Um, For your book, duct tape bags, you have quite a selection of different books, and some of them, it's pretty. Uh, it's pretty amazing to to. If you looked at first glance, you would never know that they were made out of tape. I was wondering if I know that you mention. Um, Louis Vuitton, you mentioned Gucci within the pages of your book, but are there, are you, do you have, are you a bagophile in general? Do you have a ton of designers that you look at? Are you trying to, are there, are designers in general where your inspiration for bags come from? Or do you come at it more from like a shape and color um, Uh, point of view? Well, well, originally, because um, I never really claimed to be a, a bag designer, I do look at other designers um the the bigger names the better and i it began with this idea of affordable fashion i love i love bags yeah i am a bagophile um however you know i don't have the means to um buy all the bags that i want so a lot of times you know i'll just i'll i'll make something that will look similar in shape and color um to something that i saw so, you know, you talk about Birkin bags as being something that everyone has. Um, and maybe it's a more generic term or for a style of bag. But I remember seeing my first Birkin bag and, and I'm thinking to myself, I could never afford that. So what am I going to do? You know, do I try to find something out there that's like a lesser version? So obviously, you know, in my 20s, I, I didn't really um, care too much about um, getting a knockoff. But as I got a little bit older, I thought, well, you know, I, I really don't want the knockoff. I want to try to make something because then there's the pride in saying I made this. And also, um, I never wanted people to know that it was duct tape. And I think it's because there's this idea that duct tape wasn't a pretty, pretty material. Um, so the first bag I made was a black um, little clutch and I never told people that it was duct tape. That's so interesting to me because now you're known for duct tape. And you you said on a, a recent blog interview for Glimpse of Glamour, you said that your bags are not judged by materials, but by the design. And I found that fascinating. I mean, the designs are spectacular. But because you're so well-branded now with that particular material, I was surprised to hear that the material was not sort of at the forefront for you. Um, the material is very important to me, but I don't want it to be judged. Um, because when I, okay, I have a lot of friends that kind of look down on duct tape. They're like, oh yeah, well, you know, that's a really crafty material. And I, I really wanted them to kind of look at the bag before knowing that it's duct tape and then afterwards telling them that it's duct tape um, and then they change their mind thinking that you know you can really make beautiful fashionable things with with that material um, 
there's this there's this kind of like preconceived notion that's being put out there that it's um what's the word it, it's a novelty that's a, that's the word it's a novelty item you you know there's uh the competition and i fully support it there's the competition every year you know uh, stuck at prom where um the seniors in ver- various high schools around the country they will make um their prom dresses and their tuxes out of duct tape mm-hmm. but it's still seen as this novelty because people know that it's duct tape and so it's not judged from a different perspective it's judged because or it's seen immediately because um you've already put it out there that it's it's duct tape um, so you think that so people go in like with a preconceived notion about the level of artisanship based on on a material artisan- that you can get in a hardware store, maybe? Yeah, yeah, ar- okay. artisanship and, and sophistication. Um, you know, what's the difference between using duct tape and um, I, uh, another, like a real fabric? Well, I shouldn't say real. No, I, I guess you can. A real fabric, a, a fibrous fabric, yeah. a textile. Yeah. Um, so when whenever I play around with, with the duct tape, I want to show that there's so many different things that you can do with it. Um, you can, you know, you could rough, make like ruffles with it that um, you want to actually go out and touch with your hand. That's an, that's another thing that people um, who see the bags, the first thing they do is, oh wait, that's duct tape. They want to touch it, mm-hmm. and you know they can't believe it. And you know they're like, they're always surprised at how much softer it is than they thought it it would be, you know, after maybe, you know, seeing it, as you say, in the, um, in the hardware store, because, you know, it's usually like in, um, in like bins and, you know, it's, sometimes it's dusty. No one thinks, oh, you know, let me take it home and make it into a fabric, um, cut it out and uh, make something pretty with it. So that's, that's what I want people to, um, I want to change their minds about it. And I want them to actually um, take it and try to open up their minds and have a bigger opinion of what's possible. I think it's so much more impressive to be able to to create beauty out of something that's um, utilitarian than to create more beauty out of something that starts, that's fundamentally beautiful. I think you should wear that as a badge. I know that when you're, you know, when your publisher sent me the info on your book immediately I read the title and I was like oh yeah duct tape bags that'd be cool and then I you know I clicked through onto your website and I saw the extent of what you were doing um with it and it, it you know it blew me away and I think for me you know at least from my perspective that's so much more punk rock than you know using silk chambray to create you know something that drapes beautifully I mean that right. just speaks to artistry and artisanship so much more right um, yeah, there's the, the first couple of bags I made, I, I used the idea of punk, which is funny that you say that I use the idea of punk rock, you know, of, you know, things that are, uh, maybe held together with, um, like safety pins. And I thought, oh, you know, there's a certain aesthetic that lends itself to, um, well, specifically, you know, like black duct tape. So the first things I made were, um, with black duct tape, like bags, um, mm-hmm. and, um, I found out that they weren't looking so punk rock, that they actually started looking, you know, um, 
chic. Yeah. 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 She, I, I use the word sophisticated a lot. Maybe it's not the right word, but it just, it, there was just a different level that came out and it was, it was really unexpected. And, you know, the more I played with it and the more I realized, you know, I, I could veer off black. I know that, you know, black is an easy color to, to use because it matches everything, but let's, let's see what's out there. So I started making plaids, um, something that, um, really surprised me too, uh, because it, instead of just like laying the tape on top of like, um, our pre-made fabric, um, I actually started weaving it together. And then I realized that there was, there was more, um, that I could do with maybe cutting the strips down to a certain, you know, width for, for weaving. And, and it got really, I got a little, I got a little carried away. <laughs> so sometimes like I'd have all these fabrics and I, I, um, I wasn't making any bags. I was just making different fabrics. Um, and you know, then I, I realized that I, I had to, you know, get rid of them all. Anyway. Anyway, how are we doing with time? Yeah. <laughs> no, I think this is interesting. I almost think that this story could almost be an allegory for just humanity. I mean, if we all stopped and explored and, and saw stories, materials, situations, whatever, from a different perspective, mm-hmm. we'd have a much richer communal experience. Yeah, we would definitely. Did you did was duct tape duct tape your medium before you went to art school, or was it something that you came to while you were there? It was before. Um, I made this picture. Um, I I found this tape. It wasn't duct tape. It was actually um, I bought it on Etsy, and I thought it was duct tape, and it was uh, a subway map of New York City. And I thought, oh, this is cool. And when I got it, it was actually masking tape. Um, and I thought, well, you know, let me play around with it. And I, I made this self-portrait. It's pretty um, crude compared to some of the things I've done later. But I made this self-portrait with, with the tape. Um, and, and then I, I put it away. I didn't, I didn't use it for a while. I, I still was crafting with duct tape. I was writing books on, on, um, on the side. Not really on the side. It was like my primary thing. And going to school. And then one day I started using photographs to make portraits. Um, I was taking this photography class and I was also learning how to make cyanotypes. And I thought um, with the cyanotypes, um, there, it was a very hands-on process and I couldn't get certain imagery to um, work the way I wanted to. And I thought to myself, you know, I, I'm so much better... Um, with duct tape, I wish I could make pictures or, or photographs with duct tape, and that's when it started. Um, about a year, year and a half ago, I started really making portraits of people with duct tape, and then Wait. I saw. Uh, I'm sorry. No, no, no. I didn't mean to interrupt you. I was just gonna. I was wondering if you wouldn't mind sharing some of your process for for creating a portrait with duct tape. Um, I, if it's if it's um, requested, like I've done some for friends, um, I will go and I'll take their pictures, their photographs, um, and I'll take it from different angles. And then what I'll do is I'll, I'll print out um, enlarged pictures, and I have a light box that I have, and I'll lay the printouts over the light box, and I'll start like tracing out um, just like the maybe the, the shape of the chin or the shadow by the nose. And then I'll... Um, I'll, I'll redraw those areas on top of a, a canvas 
and then I'll cut out pieces of duct tape and I'll put it in those areas. Um, before that, I'll, I'll try to figure out um, a, a color palette and I'll talk to whomever um, I'm doing the portrait for and, and I'll say to them or I'll ask them, you know, what are, what are your colors? And um, they'll say, well, you know, this one, this one friend um, loves the Mets. And I thought, well, that's easy. Those are complementary colors right there. That's, right. that's, you know, the color wheel. That's really easy. So I, I incorporated that and I added a third color in there. Um, but, you know, so those are ones for, you know, for, for commission. Um, the other ones that I, I kind of do for myself, the process is, um, it's a little bit less rigid. So um, I'll find myself with, with my camera. It, you know, a lot of times it will begin with a picture that I'll, I'll take. I'll roam around the city or I'll go by the water and I'll take a picture of the sunrise or um, I'll take a picture of a tree branch. And then I'll, I'll take the photograph and I'll put it on my computer and I'll try to find something within that, um, that photograph that I'll find interesting. And I'll, I'll try to recreate that. I'll draw it out on the canvas and then I'll, you know, I'll start to piece together, you know, the colors. Um, though I don't know if I have any of those on my, on my website. <laughs> Maybe I should. Yeah. Uh, That's a fascinating yeah. process. You, I, you worked, um, for a while before you, wrote your own books, you worked for quite a while in publishing. What was the experience like book writing compared to wrangling authors and being a part of the sort of business end of the writing process? Um, It's such a funny position to be on the other side. Um, I first started at Knopf. And, and it was like the best experience. Knopf is part of uh, Random House. Mm-hmm. Um, and my boss actually didn't want any, any kind of um, assist. I, I worked as the assistant to the um, vice president of production and design. He didn't want somebody that wanted to learn um, anything. He just wanted me to take down, you know, um, his, his messages and that's it. But working in that environment, you did get to meet all the people that, um, were very creative, and that had to work with the authors and artists. And um, I started just like hanging out in the office after hours, just seeing if I could do some extra work and 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 you know meet um, just meet these authors, which I, I did. And then you would hear um, you would hear the the creative director, and you would hear the um, the editors and the publicists talk about, you know, what it's like to, um, contact them or, you know, their writing styles and, you know, um, just the editing process. And it made me realize that there's so much more to publishing than just writing a book and handing it over and, and, you know, wishing for the best, the people in the publishing companies, they do so much work to make you look good and they're really rooting for you. So when I became a writer, or I decided to start writing my own books, I, I was afraid that maybe I wasn't good enough, <laughs> which is really, really weird, you know, because you're supposed to have, as an author uh, or anybody that puts themselves out there, there's a part of you that's a little bit sadistic and, and you know, um, thinks a little too highly of themselves that, oh, yeah, of course I'm going to get published. So um, when I did become really put myself out there and, and tried to get published, 
um, I, I kind of knew that if I did manage to get into um, a place like Random House, um, that there were people that were there rooting for me and that were going to really make me look good. So, I mean, when I got the first um, set of designs, col- colored printouts of, of duct tape bags, it was so amazing. It was, I, I, I thanked everybody because I knew what it was like. You to realized how many, yeah. you know, it's funny, how uh, many people? a couple of weeks ago, I, I chatted with a, another art artist, um, well, he's an author and an illustrator, Travis Nichols, and he was talking about how, you know, it was hard to relinquish the control, you know, when he became an author, because there's so many hands on your, your, I hate to call it product, but let's call it projects. Um, But then once he was actually immersed in the process, he, he truly believes that every single person's hands who touched his ideas only enriched it and made it better. And I thought that was such a huge discovery, because I think, you know, a lot of us are so, your art or your craft is so personal yeah, in a lot of ways that, because it's raw, because it's it's a vulnerability putting it out there, that yeah. to be able to relinquish that and identify that that you don't have to do it all on your own for it to still be your own um, is a really big realization. And it sounded like you had, had a very similar one. If I started writing first, if I didn't have the experience of working at um, publishing houses, then I think I would be more um, confrontational about changes to the manuscript or um, selection of photographs or, you know, picking out the fonts for um, the front cover or even like a color scheme for the design. It's like, you know, why are you choosing this instead of that? Um, I I would be very confrontational and I I would be... um, suspicious you know there's a like you said it's very personal it's like why do you want to change my vision I went into this process with like my eyes open and also with um with the knowledge that there are people that do this for a living you know um I love graphic designers I think they do a fantastic job um just making things more palatable for us to to read to you know like get all the information that's out there you know, people that design for um, websites, for newspapers, you know, books. I think that if if there wasn't like a rhythm and um, a beauty to what they do, it would just make the world less palatable. So when, you know, I got the first designs for the book or, and they asked my opinion, I was, first of all, I was honored that they even asked me. Um, and second of all, when I saw what they were doing, I was just even, you know, that much more on their side too. So, um, I, you know, the, the, the people that designed my book, I love them. The lady that did the photography, she's amazing. Um, out in LA, her name is, uh, Stephanie Gano. She's amazing. Um, so yeah, I, you know, that's it. I just love them all. You've written many books, but four or five of them, um, have been on the subject of duct tape crafts. And one of them, like just just one of them, required 101 designs made out of the same material. Oh my gosh! Yeah, that was, that was a killer. So how how are you how are you continuing to stay inspired by by duct tape by your chosen medium? How do you do you go through dry spot, dry spots? Do you have rituals to get to to reinvigorate your creativity or your inspiration with the same material? Um, I started out with uh, more of a 
I, I started out crafting with duct tape because of, of my children, my daughter in particular, she, she and her friends would come over and we would craft for hours and, um, and then duct tape became one of these things that we used. And, and then suddenly duct tape was the only thing that we used. And so, you know, the first, I, I, I don't know, um, the first two books, it was 101 crafts for each book. Those were really easy because that was stuff that I already had um, in my back pocket. And, uh, and then, you know, we started going into more specific things, things that you could wear, things that are accessories. Um, inspiration is all around. And a lot of times, you know, if, if I'm not personally um, using it, in and this is just craft-wise, you know, if I'm not personally using it, if it's not a handbag I wouldn't wear, or if it's not a necklace I wouldn't wear, then I, I won't do it. Um, so it goes through phases too. Like uh, sometimes, you know, I'm just totally into um, making art and I'll do that for weeks and I won't touch, you know, my craft knife for making, uh, making a craft. Um, but I know that, you know, when, when I get to a point where um, maybe I'm ready to put down that, um, image that I'm making, I could return to the table and then I'll, I'll look around and I'll see, well, you know, what are the things that maybe I, I've, I was doing last. And sometimes, you know, when they're, when the well is dry, then you just go through the motions of making something. And in the process of doing that, you know, it's sense, um, what does my husband call it? When you start uh, running again after months of not running, it's muscle memory. That's it. Um, <laughs> it's muscle memory. It's like, okay, your muscles, um, remember how to do this and then suddenly you're doing something else. And I think like if you're blocked, if you feel like the well is dry, you just go through it, just keep on going through it. And even if you feel like it's not going anywhere, something will come up. Something always does. Um, so yeah. Do you have Th little things that you do for yourself to fill your well? To fill my well, I will go through, um, you know, the, the, newspaper I'll, I'll read a magazine usually it's on a train ride I'll go through like a people magazine or, or something um it could be anything and you know when I see like an ad and I see the colors you know when I talk about how I love graphic designers I'm, I'm not really you know I'm not blowing smoke I I think like there's a lot of inspiration that they get they take like um you know color palettes and, and they try to like really um open up your eyes to something. They try to draw your attention. And so, you know, ultimately I'm the sucker. I, I get drawn in and I'll find something and I'll clip it out and I'll, I'll, you know, I'll tape it to my wall and it'll be there for a while. And maybe, you know, um, I don't see it for a while. And then if I'm, if the well is dry, you just, you look around and I see, okay, well, let's try to figure out something that maybe, you know, is inspired by that. You know, like maybe I like the color combination or maybe, you know, there's something in, like the shape of of the image that they used um or sometimes it's you know the, the font that they used in the ad you know um just there's something to there that i i will draw from um and and then you know sometimes you know i go shopping and i'll look at like a pretty skirt and i'm like hey i like that combination let's let's try to recreate that in a bag or you know something that um maybe i could wear in my hair so yeah it's it's all around you just have to look what I find so uh, interesting about tape in particular as a medium is that it makes crafting really accessible to uh, to boys. I have I have two sons. I know you have a son, and 
there were many times that I tried to get my boys, my boys are real teenagers now, but when they were younger, (laughs) to get them to, you know, whatever I was doing, knitting, crocheting, sewing, anything. But it was really, if I busted out the tape, they they were in it. They were interested. It seemed... And maybe it's the hardware store aspect of it. It certainly wasn't because of any preconceived notion that I had taught them. But I still have I still have a wallet that my my eldest son made me years ago yeah. out of duct tape, you know, for and I wondered if I know that you have you have children that are both genders. I wonder if if that material had anything to do with you trying to find something that would be sort of egalitarian as far as like infusing creativity in your kid's life. Well, the the discovery of duct tape at the hardware store was one with both kids. And when, you know, when we bought it, um, the first thing that my son did, he started covering things with it. Um, because, you know, it's tape, of course, you know, you, you, um, you cover stuff with it. Um, so with him and with boys in general, because, um, I've done a lot of workshops at, at libraries and at that local art center that, um, I, I run uh, classes at, um, they, the boys in that class, they usually will, um, they, they'll take it and they'll start just like, they love the, I guess it's the physicality, you know, they love the fact that it's like this hard thing that you have to unravel. So that's the first thing. It's like that, that physicality of ripping the tape off, off a roll. And the second thing, um, I think because it's not necessarily, um, in, or immediately a pretty um, medium that they're not turned off by it. Hmm. So, um, you know, it, they the manufacturers of duct tape do try to make it appealing to both genders. So that there's, you know, there's camo, um, there's graffiti, there's, uh, what else is there? There's wood like... Wood print. Yeah, there's wood print. There's also mm-hmm. um, like nerds candy, there's... A lot of stuff that's not necessarily girly, um, and and you know when you show them, usually when it's workshop on um, pencil cases or or bags, I'll also throw in a wallet in there um, because there is you know a boy that whose mom forced him to come, and he's like, <laughs> I don't want to do this, yeah. I don't want a purse. I'm like, you know, you could also do you know X, Y, and Z. Um, so then they realize that yeah, this is pretty fun. It's pretty you know, it's pretty physical. Um, I also make masks. There's this one kid uh, a couple of years ago. Like luchador masks? Uh, he, he, he wanted to cover his entire head. And I was so afraid that because <laughs> he had really fine blonde hair. Yeah. I was so afraid that the tape would get stuck in his hair and then suddenly his mom would come rushing back. And there's a lawsuit in my hands and I'm just like, oh, this is not good. Um, the he wanted to tape directly head. onto his hair? Yeah, he just wanted to cover his head. That's he really wanted, not going like, to go well. No, no, it didn't. <laughs> so um, what we did was we we made like a big fabric and we cut out um, we cut out the eyes, and then we did cover his head, but we act, we had to make a, a fabric that fit over his entire head first, and then we cut it down. Um, and he was I have a picture of it somewhere, but he was able to make it look pretty scary looking because he then added more tape on the front of it. So it looked like he was um, in an, an insane asylum. Yeah, um, that's a you know, great that, problem-solving activity for kids too. Then. Yeah, it is definitely. Were you uh, were you crafty as a kid? I was. I was really crafty as a kid. I loved paper crafts. That was the thing that I did the most. And um, my mom 
would, uh, she, she would not necessarily encourage me, but she wouldn't say no to me either. She just had stuff laying around. Um, I was, uh, I would use her sewing machine behind her back <laughs> too. Yeah. So she'd, she'd come home from work and she's like wondering why her sewing table's open and, you know, why is the, why is there a broken needle or, uh, you know, why aren't there any more, um, I don't know what they're called. The, uh, they're these things that you would use that would help you put in the thread through the, I think they're bobbins? called threaders. Oh, not threaders. Bo- not bobbins. Oh, but, the threaders, uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, because I would break them all and yeah. I would throw them all out and she's like, where are they all? And I'm like, I have no idea, mom. Um, but yeah, so I, I, I would sew, um, I would sew dresses with my sisters too for Barbie dolls. Um, I would try to make gifts for my friends, even though back then it really wasn't a cool thing. I'm like, Hey, Merry Christmas. Here's this thing I made. Um, but the paper crafts were, were a lot of fun. Um, and I did that. I think the most. You mentioned sewing, and we talked about it earlier, and I wanted to make sure to ask you, because I've tried sewing duct tape before, and I have gunked up my machine and uh-huh. broken and broken <laughs> needles. Are, so, in your book, are most of your, pro- are, are the projects not sewn at all? or They're, or not, do you, sewn. they're not sewn at all, so they're all no-sew no. projects. They're no-sew projects. Um, I discovered a way. Uh, I did it accidentally. Um, I, I was talking to a friend of mine who said that he had a summer job when he was a teenager where he worked in um, a factory that made sails uh, for boats, sailboats. Right, right, right. Um, he said that they, they used these Teflon um, nonstick needles on their industrial machines. And he's like, those things are nonstick, and you got to make sure that your needle is nonstick. So I could, really couldn't find a Teflon needle anywhere. So yeah. I decided I would, I would grease up my needle. So every few stitches I would swab it down with with oil um like and oil, then, oil or with or with like oil. uh like Pam no I use <laughs> I use baby oil I have baby I used oil. to have I, yeah and it's not because you know it, it's for any specific reason other than the fact that I just had it on hand. right so I started greasing up the needle but then it would just take so long like I would do five stitches and then stop and grease up the needle and then keep going so then um, I decided to just douse the actual spool of thread with oil and then, um, and then just sew it and it worked. So that's what I'm doing now. And the oil you know. residue didn't screw up with the mechanisms in your sewing machine at all? So far, no. <laughs> I Fascinating. I'm going to have to try that. Yeah. Who so knows what will happen tomorrow? You just drop it in the baby oil. Soak um, it in. Yeah. I, I, I pour the baby oil on it. Um, and then I always have like a little bit of a bibula on the side on a swab. Yeah. And just in case like, you know, um, it gets on the needle, I'll just, uh, I'll swipe the needle a little bit and just make it, uh, cl- um, I'll clean the needle. And I have to check my sewing machine. I, I get um, a Kenmore from, I don't know how long ago, it's, it's maybe six or seven years old. And um, it was on sale. It was like a Amazon sale. Um, and it was... I think $69. Um, I'm planning to move, move up to a bigger and better one. It's just, you know, I'm so used to this little tiny thing um, and it's worked out so well. However, I have yet to open it up to see um, how the gears are. Sure, sure. <laughs> so it could be that, you know, um, there's a lot of like residue in there that I have to clean. Um, 
and you know, I'll I'll do it. I'll, Although but, if you're going to do a lot of sewing like that, I mean, I have kind of like a fancy machine, so maybe it's not the best idea to try on that. But if I were going to do a lot of sewing with duct tape, investing in a inexpensive machine that was only for that purpose doesn't seem like the worst idea and it wouldn't be a huge investment versus you know ruining your $1,500 Viking you know um, yeah just buying a used machine as your duct tape machine or or like you said a, a less expensive one um, that could be an option too that's a, actually a really good idea maybe I'll get a new one and that's just not for duct tape and I'll just keep this old yeah I mean why yeah. not thank you thank you hey. so much <laughs> <laughs> well, it has been such a pleasure. Um, so lovely meeting you and fascinating you. hearing about your art and your medium and how you work. Uh, thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. Rochella's books, artwork, and duct tape tutorials can be found through her website. For more info, photos of some of her designs, and to enter to win a copy of her latest book, Duct Tape Bags, check out this episode's show notes page. And you can find that at vickihowell.com craftish. To enter, all you need to do is post a comment about which alternative art or craft mediums you've experimented with. Again, you just go over to Rochella's page. You click on that once you're at vickihowell.com craftish. If you like Craftish, please share it with friends and also take a moment to give us a rating or review on iTunes. We're still a relatively new podcast and need all of the word of mouth that we can get. So thank you. We really appreciate it. Don't forget that Breathe and Craft Out tote bags are now available and you can check those out by going to vickihowell.com and just clicking on shop. I also have onesies that say things like, you know, I nap, mom crafts, I nap, mom knits, uh, I've got breathe in, stitch out tote bags, so a lot of sort of like kitschy fun stuff over there. Craftish is a Campbell production. It's produced in Austin, Texas by me and mixed and edited by Dave Campbell. Music is provided by Explosions in the Sky, and they're actually on tour right now, and I highly recommend checking them out if they're going to be in your hood. I listen to their music more than anything else whenever I'm writing, designing, or doing anything else requiring me to get into a creative zone. So you can find out their tour schedule at explosionsinthesky.com. We're off next week while I'm at the Texas Pinners Conference, but we'll be back on September 15th. So make sure you tune in for that episode with our guest Alabama Shannon founder, Natalie Shannon. Until then, take some time to be creative, breathe in, craft out. Bye.